Welcome to Daniel Alonzo's Wealth on the Beach podcast. Are you ready to learn how you can become totally financially independent? After 20 years as an entrepreneur, investor, and business coach, Daniel is inspired to help you reach financial independence by creating massive passive residual income. Gain priceless insights from a man who became a millionaire at the age of 24 and has shared his knowledge in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Are you ready to change your life? Let's get started. Here is Daniel Alonzo. Welcome to the Wealth on the Beach podcast. My name is Daniel Alonzo, and again, I am bringing you some of the greatest minds, some of the most successful people in North America. And we're talking business, we're talking money, and we're talking the, the opportunity to be able to get your life to the life that you've always dreamt of. Um, today's guest, his name is Roy Matlock Jr. Uh, one of my good buddies started in financial services all the way back in 1983. Uh, he's grown in his company uh, to now 24 offices across America. And he's committed to serving individuals, families, and small businesses to help them reach all of their financial goals. Uh, he also hosts a radio show called the Business and Money Hour, dedicated to giving people the right information and education on how money works. Um, so, Roy Matlock, man, how's it feel to be financially independent, man? And so, hey, you, know, I mean, that, you know, that's what what we uh, always dream about. You know, I mean, we got to get started. And uh, you know, some people I'm sure are new and uh, maybe new to your podcast, but you know, we we walk and and think maybe differently because the opportunity to walk and think differently is there. And you know, the uh, thing I've learned, I learned this. Uh, fortunately very young there's really two things that uh, most people are, are having challenges with that if they fix them uh, they have a chance to go do what you talk about and get financial independence first one is is they got to look at their income and uh, it's either an income problem or, or an outgo problem and I can tell you right now if you're uh, hating your job uh, if you're sick, you don't like what you're doing the most important thing you can ever do is you got to find something you like uh, because once you find something you like, then you're never working ever again. And uh, so you're having fun. And when you have fun doing things, you do a lot of it. And then you become an expert. So now you've eliminated the financial income problem because you're doing something you like. Uh, it's fun. And you become an expert in it. And I had a guy tell me this. He said, if you, if you can do a couple things right, uh, he says, find the right mate and find the right uh, something you love doing before you're 30. Uh, then you, the rest of your life, you're going to be a happy camper because you've got, you know, you you wake up every day and it's fun. And then the second thing, of course, uh, handling your money. So I've always, you know, my radio show, that's what I talk about. It's one of two things you got to fix, or you may need to fix one of them, may need to fix both of them, but you got to work on your income, find something you love. And number two, when you get that money coming in, figure out how to have less going out than you have coming in. And then hey, life is good. So that's love how it, I, love it, love it, man. Uh, hey, Roy. You know, look, man, me and you have known each other for a long, long time now, and we've been in business together for a long, long time. And, and I really, I, I want to get to know you on a deeper level, like, I, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that know you, but they don't know your story. And so right. I, I really, I really want to know, like, what was it like growing up, Roy Matlock Jr., man? Where'd you grow up? 
What was your parents like? What did your parents do? What was your childhood like? Man, tell uh, us a little bit about that. So um, I, I'm from Nashville, and I've been in Nashville my whole life. And uh, uh, Nashville is, is just a booming town. I mean, if you've never been to Nashville, you need to come to Nashville. Nashville's fun. But anyway, I grew up uh, in a self-employed family. Uh, my dad was in the Navy and uh, became a welder in the Navy and worked on aircraft carriers. And he got out of the Navy and he went to work uh, and wor went to work for a company about a week later, him and the boss got uh, in a fight and he said, you know what, I'm never gonna work for anybody. And he opened up a welding shop and interesting story about the welding shop. The welding shop, he would just uh, go out, anything back in those days, he was born in 1924. So back in those days in the forties, he um, would go around to business to business. My, my grandfather, uh, was a sign painter, and what, back then uh, he he actually got a he painted billboards like you know the you see the old cigarette you know billboards and stuff like that. He would hand paint those things uh, the billboards, and he told my dad one day he said uh, what you need to do is put your suit on, get you a nice press shirt, and he said a couple days a week go out there and knock on doors and talk to people and find you some business. Now, once you found that business, take your suit off and put your work clothes on and go fix your, you know, go do what you say. And so he did that. And then what happened, which was kind of, uh, it really tells the story. He, uh, back during the rationing of the war, he knocked on a company's door called Southern Candy Company. Nobody knows that much about Southern Candy, but they make a thing called Goo Goo Bars, Goo Goo Clusters. And uh, so Southern Candy had all of this equipment and the equipment ended up uh, being broke down. They couldn't get parts. And so my dad walked in, and the guy that uh, was the owner of the company, he says, look, he says, and my dad said, I can fix anything. And so what he did, he went in there, and they had a whole uh, uh, warehouse full of stuff that wouldn't work. And so he went and did that, fixed it all up. And then one day the guy called him up and says, can, our candy is melting all right, uh, when we take it places, is there something you could, could you build us a, a truck body with a refrigeration unit of it? So my dad manufactured a truck body and put a, uh, a refrigeration unit on it. And the next thing you know, we opened up a company uh, that manufactured semi-trailers all the way like from, from start to finish, uh, had about 400 employees. And the thing about it was he, when I grew up, he was always learning, he was always reading. And, but he didn't have the reading sense that, um, or the learning the way people think you have to learn. He, he, he dropped out of high school in the 10th grade and went into the military, all right? And that, I guess that was what he had. And then what he did is he self-taught all throughout, eventually sold the company uh, to his biggest, uh, biggest, uh, uh, customer, and it's a company called United Van Lines, which you've seen them all over the country. So United Van Lines uh, bought semi-trailers and international harvester trucks, all that kind of stuff, and he sold it and uh, to them. And then he took the money and he built about 30 or 40 houses, 35 houses, uh, and paid cash for them. And that was their retirement income. And he sold it about the same time uh, that uh, I, I got started in the business. So I grew up in a self-employed family. So, so, so I'm hearing all that. I mean, what a, what an awesome story, man. Yeah. I mean, that is so cool to hear that about what your dad did. So was it, was it hard for you? Was it exciting or was it hard for you? Cause you, obviously your dad worked hard. I mean, he was yes. a hard worker, yeah. worked his tail off, right, right. To build the empire basically right. that he built. And so was it, what was it like being a kid though of, of a parent that worked so hard, good, bad, 
Well, well no, Lee, the, what was the, it like? You know, the thing about it, when we were kids, um, you know, before before my, my dad, he's the one that changed the family tree, he paid off both my grandmother's houses uh, for him. He, uh, but the thing that I, that about him, I played sports, all kinds of sports, and he would show up five minutes before the game started. And sometimes when he got done, he'd leave. And so what's interesting about it, when I had my kids, a lot of times it was that way. I'd get up on Saturday, I'd run training, I'd go to the soccer game, and then I'd run out, and then I'd go to the train, and then I'd come back, I'd do all that kind of stuff. And so we had a great life like that, and we got to do things because he went out and won. He really did. Uh, went out. He went from zero to uh, $250 by, by welder. All right, and he built it and did all that. And when we were kids in the sixth grade, uh, we uh, were taken out of school for six weeks. And we went to Japan and to Hong Kong and back all over Thailand, all that kind of stuff. We got to do things. I grew up seeing self-employed start a business uh, and be able to do what, what I do. You know, and so my kids got to see the same thing. And so, you know, I never felt like, uh, you know, you, you, you know this, that hard work will keep you out of a lot of trouble too, or because you don't yeah. have Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely, man. I mean, so now were you, were you a good kid? Were you a bad kid in high school? Um, yeah, was you, what, what, what was that like? I might have been. I might be worse now than I was then. <laughs> but as a kid, no, I, I I didn't get in trouble or anything like that. If uh, if that I was um, I had um, shut this off. Sorry about that. So what I did, um, you know, early I stayed. My I, I played a lot of sports, and it, I think sports kept me out of trouble. So I played every sport. Ended up playing golf in college, and uh, so yeah. So that's kind of where I was then coming up. So, and, and so golf, I mean, you're, you're a credible golfer, man. I mean, we played a few times and, and, uh, uh, I, I really don't like playing with you very much, but, um, only because you're just, just too damn good, man. So, but anyways, um, so what was it sports though, that like looking back, I mean, you always played sports. Did was sports a really positive influence on your life? Yeah, it was very, it was very much so. I mean, I played uh, very competitive golf, uh, but I'm going to tell you, I worked uh, during that time, and I want to uh, say that you know I had a work ethic early on because I mean I saw my dad and and that kind of thing, and so when I was six, I worked for him. Uh, in the summertime when I was like 13, 14 years old. And uh, just to kind of give you an idea, when I turned 16, you know, he had a, had a uh, shop that, you know, had a bunch of employees and they, they ended up getting the union in there. And so I would cross the picket line, you know, drive up, have to sweep the, this is like 16, 17 years old. I'm learning, you know, you got to sweep the nails out of the way, you know, so you can drive in and do stuff like that. Um, but then I got a job uh, working for the newspaper. And this will kind of tell you the story. Um, so the Tennessee newspaper uh, had a collector's job, bill collector, you know, paying the, paying the bill. And so I had a buddy about it. He says, man, he says, he says, I got this job down here collecting delinquent paper bills. And I said, all right. And at that time, uh, it was $1.60 an hour uh, for a minimum wage. And they say, you pay, they pay minimum wage and 10% what you, what you collect. And I'm like, have they got another job like that? And I'm like, he's like, yeah. He says, so he lasts about a week when he had to knock on doors. I go down there. I'm 16, 17 years old. And uh, they say, look, you get 10% of what you collect. And so I'm like, wow. 
So I went out on a Saturday at 16 and collected $1,000 one Saturday. I'm out there just going wild. I made 100 bucks plus minimum wage, minimum wage $1.60. And so then what happened, uh, they had this, uh, these envelopes. And in uh, these envelopes, if the people mailed in, so if I got there and they weren't there, I could put a bag on their door and put an envelope in it. And if they mailed it in, uh, I would get paid. Well, then what happened is nobody's mailing it in. And so my dad said to me, he says, you need to write him a letter. All right. So I wrote him a letter. I put this little, and we printed it off. He helped me do it. And it said, uh, uh, I'm in high school and this is my part-time job. If you mail this in, in this envelope, it doesn't cost you any more money, but they will pay me a commission on this if you send it in. So next thing you know, every time I knocked on the door, guess what happened? I left, they weren't there, I left it on the front door and then I come into that and, and you know what happened? People started mailing money in. And I was like, this is great. And so that wow. was my first understanding of direct mail. And I, and I go back to that, my dad uh, had his own printing press and he sold semi-trailers coast to coast and he did it almost exclusively with direct mail very detailed brochures and then he did it on the phone so he did direct mail telemarketing and so from my standpoint i was like you know so he taught me direct mail uh as a yeah 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 so anyway so that's how i got started and so so tell me tell me a little bit about so so how were you recruited into the financial industry? Well, I'll tell you, it started, um, uh, so I, I leave, uh, I go to college and I have to give up my job uh, at, uh, you know, collecting delinquent paper bills, all right? Uh, and I was making money at doing that. I mean, really, I mean, you think about it, if you make $100 in a day when it's $1.60 an hour, I was rich, you know, that kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. And so I go off to college and I get in this fraternity and this guy says, hey, man, he said, you can go down. He said, I got a buddy, one of the guys that uh, used to be a fraternity guy, he's got a hardware store and I'm sure he'll give you a job. So I go down there and they were paying me like, like 60. And I work for like two hours and I'm like, I tell this guy, I'm like, nah, dude, this is, you don't even have to pay me. Don't worry about it. I'm, this is not for me. And so, so uh, this girl that I had been dating answered a blind ad and I drove her to it and it was selling Cutco knives, Cutco knives. And I was like, Cutco knives and cookware. And the guy started showing, I see, he's, he's like, hey, just go, you can sit in here with her. Okay, she thought she's coming in to interview one of those kind of deals. And she looks at it, and she's like, this, there's no, this is a bunch of, you know, bull. And I asked the guy, I said, I said, I said, really, I said, how much money can you, can I, can somebody make doing this? He started telling me, I said, I want to do it. Okay. So I ended up starting at Cutco. And that year, my first year in the business, in the Cutco business, I was the number one college student in the United States selling. I made like seventeen thousand uh, dollars back, and that's part of the reason I did the second year. Then I started running an office, and the reason I quit, I finished two years of college, and I quit college was because I was making more money selling Cutco knives than the college professor was making. All right, and I'm like, why am I wasting my time? I already know what I'm going to do. So I did that uh, for. Then I started recruiting college students had an office, started and made about 50 grand. This is a long, long time ago, like early 80s. But the problem is every year, the college students, I recruited them, 
they would go back to college and it'd be, it'd be over with and I'd have to start all over. And so I had a guy in where I had in, in, in Knoxville that I had an office up there. And this guy says to me, tries to recruit me. Okay. And it's in the financial services business. And I, t- and the only reason I went to find out about it was because I figured I was thinking I was going to recruit him into doing what I'm doing. And I saw it and I'm like, this is what I'm looking for. It's got recurring income. I can actually bring people in that stay with it, you know, so I built a legitimate business. And so I did that on a part-time basis for about a year and a half. And then in 1986, I started full-time in financial services. And at that time I made $33,000, which was pretty good in 1986. And so from then on, you know, 10 years later, I was, I made a million dollars doing it. So, wow. uh, you know, I learned things, the Cutco knife uh, stuff. I learned how to close, you know, how to go in and talk to people. I learned how to ask for money. Uh, I learned how to get referrals. I learned how to do, uh, you know, talk to people I didn't know. All right. So I started doing that. And then, uh, but I started see, I, you know, and what happened to me, I said, you know, I can't take six weeks off like my dad did. All right. I don't have a, a real business. You know, I've got a, a temporary business with that and uh, I can't do what my dad, it didn't take me long to figure out that he lived different than I was going to be living doing what I was doing. And so, but then I got solid financial services business and I thought, you know what, I can live the way he's been able to live and do it on my own. And, uh, and you know, 35, age 35, you know, I was pretty much done uh, and financially. And so as a result, uh, I've lived the same life that, you know, he was able to show me. So I had a picture interesting thing about it. My brother's self-employed, uh, been doing his own thing for, you know, 20, 30 years, something like that too. So we grew up like that. Yeah. It's amazing how the influence we have on our kids. Right. And it's just so important that, because a lot of times, I mean, parents don't realize, you know, when they come home at night, and they pop open a beer and they sit and watch TV for eight hours, um, you know, how that affects their kids. Well, you think and, it doesn't affect them, but they, they, it does. They're watching all the time. That's it. They're watching you. And, and so whether it's your kids or whether it's your team, whether it's the people that you're surrounding yourself with, I mean, they're watching you either become successful or not successful. Right. And so it just, it, it's just, it's, I, I love hearing your story about your dad because it's just such an awesome example of how generational wealth really is right. created all of right. because you are, and, and, and even if he, you know, I'm sure he's going to probably leave you some wealth at the end of the day. But the, 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 the interesting thing about it is that because you're educated when it comes to money right. and financial and, and, and investing and things like that, you're not going to squander it away. Oh, no. you know, you're going to continue to, to grow that wealth. And you know, one of the things my dad uh, always said, and this is, uh, this is, if you really think about what I'm getting ready to say, uh, this is, uh, he always said, you got to always make money while you sleep. And he said, the reason you may have to make money while you sleep is you spend money while you sleep. And so people, what they do, they go through their life and they work 40 hours a week and they, they work from 25 to 60 for 40 hours. So what, if you don't get your income up uh, and you're running that, that gig, then you're working 40 hours a week for 40 years, but you're paying for 168 hours a week for your whole life. 
And as a result, if you don't get recurring income, if you don't get uh, investment income and stuff like that. So my father passed away five years ago. All right. And so, you know, he, my mother's still nine, she's 96, she's still living. And so I was one of the youngest, I've got three older sisters and, but my father's account and guys, this is not selling investments or anything like that, but I've shown people, I said, you know, my dad's account is up a million dollars since he died. Okay. So, uh, so, so that's making money while you sleep, right? Everything about it. it, It's up over a million dollars since he passed away. And so anyway, it's, uh, it's exciting when you, when you learn, you know, the two skill sets you got to have and one of them, and and there's a lot of things that go along with it, but you got to learn how to raise your income. And that's, you got to be more valuable. You got to know more, you got to do more. And then the other things you got to figure out what to do once you get that money. So you don't end up blowing through all of it and, and not having anything. That's it. That's it. And, and so, so tell me a little bit about the early days. I mean, you obviously got off pretty fast start and you, you were a million dollar, you know, yearly a million dollar earner fairly quickly uh, right. in for most people's standards. And, but there probably was some challenges. I know I had challenges, man. I know I had shit I had to overcome. I was, I had low self-esteem. I was a young punk kid. I, I had, I just didn't see myself as that successful person. And like, you know, I mean, what sort of challenges did you have to overcome in your journey? Uh, I'll say, uh, I'll give you an example. When, uh, you know, when you first, you're newly married and you're, you don't understand money and all that kind of stuff. And even when I first got in financial services business, I didn't understand how to handle my money. I understood kind of product and stuff like that, where now I can give people real advice. Uh, but, you know, when I did all the stupid things to do, I bought a house I couldn't afford, I bought two, two new cars, that kind of thing, thinking that, hey, this business is just going to explode. Well, to kind of give you an idea, I went full-time in 1986 and made 33000 Well, seven years later, I was only making 50000 all right. Now I made more money every year, but I went out and got myself in a mess. I'll never forget. Uh, I got behind on my house payment. I got behind on my car payments and I'd wake up in the middle of the night. If I heard something, I thought somebody's coming to get my car, you know, and stuff like that. And, and I finally, I, I made a decision. I said, first thing I'm going to do, if I ever get out of this mess, I'm never going back there again. And so I ended up getting the cars paid down enough where I could get rid of them. And I got rid of two nice cars and bought two used uh, VW diesel rabbits uh, that got 50 miles a gallon. Up. And, but what I did, I was ha- had a $600, like $617 a month car payment for the two new ones. Well, I kept that 617, but the only difference was I paid off two cars and I got rid of my car payments in about nine months or something like that. And then uh, I got rid of the house, was able to get out of it, okay, and not and got a less expensive house. And the next thing you know, I started saving $600 a month. All right, because I was out and didn't have the car payments, didn't have the big house payment. And then uh, I kept trying to innovate, you know, try to do things different, learn more, read more, do things like that. And, and uh, then one day um, I recruited a guy, uh, a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. And so I go recruit Dave Ramsey. He's one of my agents and uh, he was a real estate agent and we became close friends. And the next thing you know, um, he goes bankrupt. 
He's struggling. He was in the real estate doing this kind of stuff. And we had some, uh, one of the ladies in my office, uh, she said, you know, that radio show we always talked about, the uh, radio show is always, I don't know why I can't keep this thing off. So that radio show that we always talk, talked about, hold on guys, sorry about this, it's bad. Um, anyway, that radio show we talked about all the time that they made gave bad advice, she says, you should do that radio show and you would be better at it. And I'm like, I thought about so, it. So let, let, me, let me start, stop you real quick. Is this the David Ramsey that we see on the show? He has his own show on yes. cable yes. and all his stuff yeah, like that. that. So that's, that's, that's the yeah. Dave Ramsey. Yeah. The guy, the guy that I taught him how to do stuff, you know, that guy. Okay. Exactly. So, exactly. So anyway. Exactly. I just want to make sure I'm, so, so we end up, uh, next thing you know, he's, you know, of course, in real estate, and he also had gone through bankruptcy. He was in my wedding, and we, uh, she said that, and then one day that radio show went off the air, and I called him up. I said, you know, this place, uh, they, got, this guy's gone off the air. We should do a radio show, all right? And I said, you can talk about getting out of debt and real estate, and I can talk about investments and all that kind of stuff. And so we get in the car, we drive down to the station, and uh, talked to the station manager. The radio station was in bankruptcy, and we had, gave him the idea, and we said to him, but, and you don't have to pay us. And that was the magic word. He said, okay, I'll give you that hour during the day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, one hour a day, and after that, we started to become pretty popular. Then Opryland bought the station out of bankruptcy. It was a 100,000-watt station, and they gave us three hours in the afternoon. Now, here's what happened that afternoon. We were on one talk station. Rush Limbaugh was head-to-head -head against us on the other talk station. So we beat Rush Limbaugh in our ratings in Nashville. Uh, we were against Rush, and we're like, man, these people are excited. They come out to seminars, all this kind of stuff. And we ended up deciding, well, every station that has goes against Rush needs the money game. So we sent out a cassette tape that said, here's the answer to Rush Limbaugh, the money game. And we sent it to every radio station nationwide. And we said, look, we're beating a Rush in Nashville. And then the next thing you know, you know, they was still broke. I started, you know, by then I was, had really started converting a lot of my stuff. I put some money into syndicating the radio show. All right. And wow. I know it. Uh, you know, the radio show went, I was on for seven years and then we ended, ended up selling it. So, uh, so anyhow. in that seven years, by the way, that I just want to make mention that that was the seven years that exploded your business Absolutely. to over a million dollars of yeah. income. Right. Yeah. I mean, so what you have to realize is innovation works like this. The, innovation is the, doing something that's never been done before, but it actually works. All right. That's why you got to keep it. trying things. You got these ideas. You say, well, I'm a, I don't know. Well, just try it. And if it doesn't right. work, don't go spend a bunch of money on something that, you know, go in there. You know, we, we did the radio show for our time. They didn't pay us. We didn't pay them. So, but then what happens is you find a few things uh, that work. And before you know it, that, that's what propels you where you need to go. So. And then, so, so that, so innovation, because I, I'm always talking to everybody about, you have to start marketing yourself as your own brand. Cause a lot yeah. of people are listening right now. They are, they are stuck in the, 
the, the, the stone ages. Right. They are going to the malls every day and they're prospecting people that have been prospecting 500 other people that wow. week. And they're trying to get these people that, like somebody asked me like, you know, how do I get somebody, you know, that, that, you know, they, they quit on me. How do I get them to say yes? And I'm thinking, well, wouldn't it be better just to figure out how to get in front of the people that already want to say yes. Right. And so uh, expand on that a little bit. Like that's well, marketing, I mean, right? Uh, you know, there's two, you can be in sales uh, and, you know, selling is where you meet people and you go for it. And if you're, if we're out here, you know, the Tennessee Titans are here in, in, in Nashville. And, you know, if you were going to do a presentation to the, you got out in the front and they said, okay, we're going to give you the, give you the, the whole stadium to sell to. Well, there's about 6% of the people that if you're selling cars, real estate insurance, about what, whatever it is that are ready at this point, and they are, are your prospects. There's generally, if you take a big mass audience, there's 20% of the population. They're at the low end of the economic spectrum. They're never gonna make any money. But the rest of the group, that, which is about 75% of the people, they're just waiting for them when the timing's right. And so what I've always believed is this, if I provide great education, just like what you're doing right now, great education, one day they're gonna say the timing's right, who should I talk to? Let's talk to that Alonzo guy that's been teaching me all these years. I want to start a business. I want to go in business with him or I want to have him handle money. And that's why what I've done, you know, I do the podcast, I do the radio. Uh, I do all those kind of things, you know, this kind of stuff. I've always been promoting myself, but I've always been doing it in the form of very educational, get way more, okay, uh, in content and education than most people would expect to get. But then what happens is I have this referral business. Uh, I never have to, I, I never get no's hard. It's just, I don't, because I never talk to people that hadn't been pre kind of uh, marketed to. So yeah. Yeah. That's it. And, and so that, that I think is the mistake, even, even on social media today, the mistake is people get on there and all they're doing is trying to sell you something. Right versus trying to provide value to you. Like well, just give away the value for free. Eventually people are gonna want to reciprocate that. It's called the law of reciprocation. Yeah. They're gonna wanna reciprocate to you. And if that person doesn't, that's okay. Somebody else will. Well, you know, the thing, the thing that um, uh, I've always believed is that, that you know, Jay Abraham, if you've ever listened to Jay, yeah, I'm sure you have Jay, always used to say you become the obvious choice uh, in their purchase decision because you provided them so much value uh, that they're like, who should I do this with? Well, it's very simple. You do it with a person that's been providing all that value. And so I've always uh, built my business around that. I built it totally around providing great content. Uh, you know, today on social media, I see that all the time. People are like, here, here's this, here's this, here's this. And what you want to do, and I always explain it like this with my hands, if you push towards somebody, they, they resist. If you pull, they come towards you. And I always try to do it that way. And, uh, you know, you, the, the world today is there's too many choices out there. So people are going to, you know, one of the things that, that is interesting about social media and Google, you know, Google and Facebook and now Instagram, all these different ones, what they did was they broke the code. And here's how they broke the code. You know, newspapers uh, used to, and television, what do they do? They have to pay people 
in order to get news. All right, they have to pay writers, they have to do all this kind of stuff. And what Google and Facebook said is this, we're gonna give you a platform, but you gotta provide the content. And if you provide the content, we're gonna put you at the top of the page because you're providing good content. So if you wanna be at the top of Google, uh, Google says, hey, give us the answers to all of the questions that people ask. And if you get the answer, we'll put you at the top and then they'll see you and then they'll buy from you. And the same thing with Facebook, all right? And Instagram, and that's really what people need to understand in this world, provide the content and that's how you uh, really get social media going, so. So now, um, as far as like when, you know, was there a time? Because I know obviously eventually the radio show went away. Um, right, I mean, right. as, as far as, um, you know, that kind of time in your life, tell us a little bit about, I mean, was there struggles? Was there challenges? Was there any, you know, tell us a little yeah, bit I mean, about I mean, what it yeah, takes to go through. Look, th this is the question. What does it take to go through adversity, man? When we go through well, adversity, because people go through it, but they fold like cheap tents, man. How yeah, do you I mean, get through adversity. You know, so uh, when when uh, when Dave and I split, uh, just to make it very brief, he didn't really honor his commitments, and in not honoring those commitments, it it damaged me. And uh, and I look back at it, and it was you know I was young, and I probably today would have never let some of the things happen that happened. Uh, but at that point, I started looking. I said, you know, uh, I had a great idea, and I put it together. There's more great ideas uh, in my life than one, and so I started working on things. And I've gone through. I you know opened a mortgage company and uh, sold it, and and did well on that. And brought a friend of mine in. I funded that mortgage company. Uh, a uh, long, long time ago, and uh, and did that, sold it, really actually sold it in 2007, uh, which was kind of lucky on my part. Um, you know, not so smart, but 2008 wouldn't have been good. Um, but I did that. I opened a marketing company. Uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of different things. You know, I've got a software uh, business that I, that you know about. And so what I did was I, I, I always believed that I can make way more money fixing a problem uh, for people than working a job. And so I'm always trying to optimize anything I do. I try to you know, look at things and say, what's wrong with this? You know, and you know, you take a cell phone. I don't have one of those little things on the back, but you know, somebody says, man, I need to take a selfie. Okay, I need to hold on to the back of the uh, thing. And they're like, man, that's a problem. And there's 100 million cell phones or billion cell phones. I'm gonna put a little thing that sticks on the back and make millions, right? And that's the way I think. It's always, how are you gonna go out and, because there's anytime you can solve a problem uh, and there's a big market for the, it's a big problem, then there's a chance for you to really make a lot of money. And so, you know, I went through that. I mean, when, when we, uh, when the radio went away, uh, the, um, uh, it, it affected my business. But what I did is I became great at, I created a, a CRM. Uh, and I started looking, I said, well, I don't have all of this inbound stuff happening like it used to, but I've got 40,000 accounts. So right. what if I just go out to those accounts and do a great job and really do a better job servicing them? What if they refer me to one person? That's 40,000 more. And so I created, and interesting enough, without the radio, I'm doing more business than I did back when I had the radio. Uh, and so it just, 
you got to all, and what you do is you just shift, you know, you shift when you're going along. In the case of that, I did that. I ended up uh, turning, you know, a negative into a positive. We got a new software, you know, great software business. So. so, so tell me, tell me a little bit about. It's called Sales Team Pro. Yes. And uh, and I just I just want to give a little plug here because um, I believe it's a, it's just a phenomenal piece of software that has allowed my business to flourish even better than it already was. Just simply by the contact, you know, I, I, you know, obviously I have, you know, tens of thousands of clients and I've always thought in my mind, like, like, how do I, cause I'd always, you know, we had written handwritten right, right. cards to all our people. I mean, we always try to provide value. We all, you know, we send out uh, the brochure every year to all of right. our clients. We'd send right. out like a little brochure and just let them know that we're here. Let them know that right. we're thinking about them. Let them know that we care. But one of the worst problems in our business and most businesses is the fact that there's no, like once I sell you, I won't see you for another 10 years. I mean, I don't even know that I'm there. And then I would go see clients five years later and they're like, where the heck you been? Like, I don't even know where you been. And so now this, this piece of software allows my staff the instead of having to write those handwritten note cards to send out emails right, right. like I, I don't even know how many times a year you could probably explain it but i mean it, it it sends out emails to my clients all the time so now my clients know that i'm alive right. that i care about them so could you kind of expand on that a little well, bit How's I mean, it here, here, here's what i would tell um yeah, anybody right now you know back um uh, if you don't have a system for your database then you're going to get left behind. You know, I started really digging into this. Um, I, I bought some stock in AOL, all right, and they used to send out all these. And I didn't really understand the Internet, but I thought, man, you know, one day if I could just push a button and the phone rang, that would be what I want. That's my goal. And so back in the early 2005, all the way back to then, I started doing email marketing. All right, before anybody thought about that. And then it's continued, uh, you know, to evolve into that kind of thing. But what you're going to find with all of uh, any business you're in, uh, people, you hear this all the time, they say, yeah, I've never heard from my person, all right? And I used to, in the insurance business, uh, they would say things like, well, you know, they were giving me kind of a, uh, an objection. Well, I, 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 my insurance agent is one of my friends. And I'm like, really? I said, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. What's his name? And, or what's her name? And they would say, uh, 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 they didn't remember the name. They were just giving me a stall. And so from my perspective, I thought, yeah, what if I could do something that did everything I was supposed to do, but I didn't have to do it. And what that means is, is that, you know, we can either leverage ourselves through people, through technology, whatever it is. Well, from my standpoint, I wanted to automate anything that was repetitive but needed. So, for instance, you know, I hit one button and then a birthday card goes out from now on out. I hit another button and uh, email that says we need an annual review every year. I hit another button and then every holiday goes out. And then I hit another button. And when I hit that button, it's not going out to one. It's going out to 10,000 or whatever it may be. And so uh, I would tell you, whatever business you're in, you need to understand that your data base uh, provides you your existing 
current income if, it, if they're buying and all the referrals that can come from it. Most important thing you do is develop a business of referrals. I mean, they buy quicker, they buy larger, they have less resistance, all that kind of stuff, you know, because you're walking in as a trusted advisor from the friend. And, uh, you know, I had a, a situation with Christmas, uh, one of the guys that uh, has been investing money with her a long time, you know, the market was way up in 2019. He went over a million dollars in his total savings. And I've got most of it, some of it says 401k, and he was excited about it. And then he, he that right during that next week over Christmas, he brought his son in, all right? And I set up an account for his son. Then he brought his daughter who had a new baby and her husband in, I set up an account for them. And I didn't have to, I didn't even know the people. They just brought them to me, all right? Because I've given this guy great service. He understands what's going on. So I would encourage anybody if you have a small business, uh, you better get on that game because your competition is, all right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. your competition will start. You know, one of the things that you, you always got to be aware of is that little 22-year-old guy that understands the Internet that's going to come in and take your business. At a dentist, it's a friend of mine, and this is the way he talks. Uh, he's a young dentist. He's like in his nice, probably early thirties. And every time I talk to him, he says, man, I'm page one on veneers. Okay. I'm page one on this. I'm page one on this. So you said, what do you mean page one? I mean, everything he, his whole mindset is he puts that content out. So he's page one Google. Okay. So that's how he does. He'll, he'll tell me, Hey man, I'm page one on this page one on this. I'm page two on this. So his mindset is that. All right. Because what does everybody do? Oh, I need something. Google it. And he's the That's guy. It. He does it. So it's powerful. It's powerful stuff. I mean, you know, just in, in what you were saying right now, the power of referrals. I, I was on a webinar yesterday and, uh, and, and it was with one of my clients and he tells everybody on the webinar, he said, Hey, look, he says, you need to right now contact Daniel. And because Daniel, you know, I trust this guy. Right. You need to sit with this guy to get a game plan going on. Right, right. Within, within two minutes of him saying that, oh, right. I, had, I yeah. had 10 text messages in my phone because I, I, I gave right. everybody my cell phone. I said, just, just text me and we could have a call. I didn't, even, I didn't talk to one person, Roy. This is, this is why the world has changed, and a lot of people right. aren't changing with it. But right. immediately, I ended up getting 10 referrals. I, I booked in one hour, just going back and forth with these people. In one hour, I booked 10 appointments in the next six days with these people. Powerful. I'll probably make anywhere from ten dollars to $20,000 right. additional revenue to my company, right. all because I spent five minutes on a webinar. Now right. has, that just does not happen in the real world, No, but it's happening more and more often now. Just people don't get it and see it and, and not uh, implement Well, I mean, you and I are, are what, 3000 miles apart right now, you know, right, right, and, right, and, right. and we're doing, doing this. And then, you know, the technology, um, you got to learn it. All right. And you know, it's, it's uh, may seem like an overwhelming uh, thing, but the good news is, is because of technology, you can Google it and say, give me a YouTube video on how to do this or whatever. And you can really up your game. And uh, then you, uh, when, when you really understand that, then what you do is you start working only with people who want to work with you. 
Sorry. I mean, that's it. That's, that's the key that's right the there. Key element. So, yeah, that's it. Well, hey, Roy, I'm going to we're going to kind of, uh, you know, uh, slow this down a little bit. I got a, la a last couple of questions for you, man. Just all right, so we cool. all get to know you because, I mean, this has been incredibly valuable for a lot of people that are listening. Um, we got to know who you are. And, and most importantly, we got to get some insight and some ideas on how we're going to start implementing some different right. things for our businesses. But but I want to get to know you, man. What, what's your favorite book? You know, I mean, uh, gosh, I, I'm, I'll tell you the guy that I listen to the most uh, is Jay Abraham uh, as a marketing guy. And I want to keep, you know, for those of you, uh, I, I bought his book. This is a crazy thing. I bought his book in 1993. And he... Uh, uh, had put together a 400 page book and I paid $400 for his book. How about that? Now that tells you two things. One, he had been sitting, I'd, I'd been on his newsletter and for me to pay $400 for a book, that guy knew his value proposition. All right. I paid $400 for it. Never forget. I came home and my wife's like, what did you do? Are you stupid? What is wrong with you? I'm like, you're not going to believe. Okay. And honestly, I took and implemented some things within the first couple of weeks that made me probably 10 grand a month right off the bat. And here's the thing you got to realize about learning. Um, everything you learn today, you get to use it from now on. That's so, so what if you learn something new every day? You get to use it from now on. And then you start maximizing and optimizing and, and seeing yourself in a, in a whole different position. So you got to have a, you know, what I do every morning is uh, I have my news feed. Uh, I have my podcast that I listen to. Uh, and then, you know, I don't do that much reading of books anymore. Okay. But I'm telling you, I do my news feed and my podcast. And I'm always learning to start about 6.30 every morning doing that. So That's cool, man. Favorite movie? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I, I'll go maybe Scarface. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. There. Yeah, go ahead. Man. Say hello to my little favorite. friend, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Fa favorite food? Uh, I'm a sushi guy. Okay. I like sushi. Ice cream or cake? Did that. Ice cream, man. I ate ice cream too much. All right. So you're an ice cream guy too. I love it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Hey, well, Hey Roy, this has been so valuable. So incredible, man. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and giving so much value to our audience. And so how does our audience, cause our audience is all over the country now right. and Canada, by the way. Right. Uh, and we've had, I don't know, 70 plus thousand unique people that are on the podcast now. So we're excited about that. And, uh, but um, but I want it, I want people because there are people out in your area, man, out oh, in Tennessee, sure, and, sure. and you're all over the place too. So how can they get in, uh, in touch with you, Roy? Yeah, if, I would, if they want to want to meet I would, you. Uh, I would say the best thing: go to RoyMatlockJr.com. That's RoyMatlock M-A-T-L-O-C-K-J-R.com, and then you can also uh, search um, iHeart uh, for the podcast or Apple. You know the podcast. The, the podcast come out. Uh, I've got, I think I've got 40, 47 or 48 of them right now that are uh, on there. And it'll teach you about the, the two things I always talk about, getting you know, how to, how to increase your value and get your income up and what to do with your money when you get it. So that's what it's all about. Awesome. Yeah, well, I, I want everybody to know to make sure they subscribe uh, to your Instagram and cast and radio show. 
And, uh, and I, I really want to also encourage everybody that if you're in Roy's area, I mean, understand that um, Roy has been financially independent for a very long time. He understands how to win the money game probably better than anybody I know. And I want you to make sure you reach out to him because he can help you invest your money. He can help you uh, make, uh, help you maximize your dollars so that you can get that life you always dreamt of. And so I want you to know he's a real guy. He'll talk to you personally. He'll help you personally if you're a motivated person. And so I want you to share that stuff. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we are signing people up every single week for Wealth on the Beach Club. It's one hour with me every single week, half an hour lesson, half an hour Q&A. We do it actually where we, we have live interactions as well. Uh, it's really powerful. We've helped a lot of people change the trajectory of their businesses. And, uh, and by the way, I, I, I help people in financial services. I help people in the auto business. I help people in just sales business. All types of different industries are a part of this now. And, uh, of course, check out alonzoacademy.com for more, more details. YouTube channel, off the hook. Um, you know, lots of lots of free content there. And, uh, again, Roy, thank you so much, man. We appreciate all your time. And as always, everybody, Make sure you dream bigger, but also do it now. God bless you. We'll see you at the top. Good. Thanks, Pat. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Daniel Alonzo's Wealth on the Beach podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. If you like the show, please share it with someone you know who would like to reach their own financial independence. Want more? Head to alonzoacademy.com. Learn how you can meet Daniel personally and join his Wealth on the Beach Club.